It's been said that there are four stages we go through in life, and I think it's so true. The first stage is when we believe in Santa Claus. The second stage is when we don't believe in Santa Claus. third stage is when we become Santa Claus, and I'm at the last stage. That's when we look like Santa Claus. That's the way life is. We understand as we travel through this life, Christmas after Christmas, we find that the most meaningful and the most jubilant things are those that we can't hold in our hands, but we hold in our hearts. We understand that relationships are so much more important than the things happening that make the news. We realize that eternally, many things that we get very upset about really aren't going to matter in the scheme of things. We chuckle a lot of times about life, but the reality is our God, who is transcendent, who's moved through time, who loves us and planned a way of escape from this disastrous world for us long before the world was built, loves us deeply and desperately. Read the other day about an author in Canada, Douglas Copeland, who did some research to find out what people really believed, what is transcendent in their life, what do they really hope for, hold on to, what matters to them. And one of the, in the process of his interviewing people, he spoke with a hundred programmers at Microsoft's headquarters just outside of Seattle. And amazingly, those hundred programmers, some of the most brilliant minds in the world today, he asked them, what is that hope that you're holding on to that, that's transcendent beyond this life? What are you looking forward to beyond this world and this life? And not one of them could answer and give a single thing. Not one of them. With all their intellect and intelligence, with all their wealth, and with all their capacity to change the way we live, once cessation of life begins, and that last breath ends, when their heart stops beating, they have nothing. Nothing. That's why what happened in Bethlehem over 2,000 years ago is so important. It gives us hope. When we're in that ultimate situation, that lifelong conundrum that, that we have to face eternity... Can we do so with a sense of peace and anticipation and joy? Or are we afraid? You see, this little candle that Alan Michael lit a little while ago represents so much more than the illumination that it offers to us in this room. It offers to us a light at the end of the tunnel called life. There's hope beyond the grave. There's, there's something magnificent and wonderful that we can't earn. But God says we deserve. Not because we've worked for it, but because Jesus paid for it. And in the beauty of eternity, we'll be there with Him. Not long ago, I talked to a family that had gone through a sadness. And they had struggled. 
with the reality that their future would not ever be like it had been in the past. A part of their life had ended. A person that was very special to them was gone. And the reality is, they knew that suddenly heaven was more than just a place that you speak of occasionally. It was more real. The more that you love is there, the more it becomes real to you. And as we talked about that, one of the things that they remarked, not the elder of the family, but one of the grandchildren remarked to me these words. They said, this is what I'm hoping for. One day when I get there, they'll be ready for me. And that is truly our joy. Life is so unusual. And as we go through life, we understand changes come constantly. Back on August the 10th, 1972, a fireball the size of a small house passed over the Grand Teton National Park. The, the, the slightest bit of change in the orbit might have caused that asteroid to strike a city and destroy life as we know it in that place. But the reality is it didn't. Some years after that, in, in March of 1989, a half-mile-wide asteroid flew through Earth's path at 46,000 miles an hour. We did not have at that time any scientists that were monitoring it. It just showed up and passed by. And after that, we suddenly understood. Had it have struck Earth, life would have changed forever. But here's the reality that we need to know. We live within the shadow of death every day. If it's not an asteroid, it might be an automobile. It may be something as small as a blood clot that could stand on the tip of your finger. Or it might be an electrical impulse that just doesn't make it to the diastolic beat of your heart. And it stops. All of these things face us, and the reality is we can spend our life being terrified and afraid, but the reality is in human history, there's only one that watches over us and keeps us safe. That is our Heavenly Father, our Creator. And He loves us so much that He wants to have a relationship with us, and yet we live our lives in such a way that we put Him on the periphery of life. Close enough to grab if there's a disaster, but sometimes not close enough to really be in an intimate relationship with. Some people only talk to God when they've got something to say. And yet when He wants to speak, they don't listen. But we still live within the shadow of death. The good news is He's given us hope. The good news is He doesn't pout and get angry with us. The good news is He's waiting patiently for us to speak to Him. Now God speaks in some unusual ways sometimes. I know I heard His Holy Spirit whispering to me, Claire, as you sang that song. Every time I hear Mary's song, I think about that. I think about this young woman in a desolate place at a time when... There were no freedoms. They were occupied by a foreign country that was very different than them. 
And yet they were moving about and she had a faith that was remarkable. Because one told her from heaven to be at peace that what was happening was of God. Has God spoken to you lately and given you that peace? He will do that. He will encourage you that He loves you and He watches after you. And that is the blessed hope. I know if you're like I am, sometimes you're not hoping for heaven. You're hoping just to get through the day. You're hoping that at the, at the end of the, the month, there'll still be some money left. At, at the end of the week, you'll still have some energy left to do something. But the reality is when the baby Jesus was only eight days old, his parents took him to church. And an old man named Simeon walked up to this couple with this newborn baby and began to speak words that to this day we struggle with. He said, My eyes have seen your salvation, O Lord. A light of revelation for your people. He had lived in a life of darkness and sadness, of desolate and want. Yet, God led him to that baby and gave him hope. What is your hope today? What are you looking for? What is your salvation in life? Is God using you to make a difference? Or are you just drifting through life grabbing all that you can get in the way of happiness and joy? God has a purpose that's far beyond that. We all have weaknesses. We all struggle with sin. We have our shortcomings. We have times when we feel like we're just not going to get through life. Anger, greed, lust, pride, all these things that attack the world come after us. But the reality is that blessed hope can abide in us and can move us away from that. And we, in the depth of our humanity, can live close to Christ. We need to be saved, not only saved from this world, but we need to be saved sometimes from this season that has been so abused and so misused. Corporations want to use the Advent season to make money. Some people use it to advertise their products and and their services, but the reality is this season, Advent, belongs to you, the Christian. It's a reminder that God loves you and will not leave you. That in the midst of the desolation of life, even in the midst of the celebrations of great things in life, when you move back to the mundane, God still loves you. And His relationship with you will not end at the end of the week or month or year. It will not end at the end of the decade. It will not end when you find yourself alone. For the reality is, once you begin your walk with Jesus, you're never alone again. He gives you that perfect peace. The Christ child will answer the prayer in the children's carol in such a special way. Remember the song, Stay by me, Lord Jesus, forever I pray. He has always promised, come and be with me. And as we pray that prayer, God will give us that peace. 
There's so much hope in that manger. When she held that a while ago and I noticed that, that Gina placed it to the back and began to put these big presents in front, I thought, obviously the Spirit of God is speaking to her. Because that's exactly what we do. We place the manger sometimes at the center of the display, but not at the center of our lives. And we forget about the baby Jesus that came as a gift to us, to change us, to make us into what we need to be. This never became any more real to me than some years ago. I remember it very well. It's written about in the history books. It was a Saturday morning, March the 13th, 1993. I was that morning outside looking around at the sky. I lived in a parsonage that was over 100 years old, an English half-timber coach house that belonged to a mansion just in front of my house, which was part of my church that sat on Ponce de Leon Avenue right across from Emory University. I remember it so well because it began to snow. And it started and it didn't stop. It snowed in North Georgia about maybe 15 or 18 inches and the weathermen said, oh, it's, it's going to end there. We're just going to have that level of snow and that'll be, it'll be nice and dry and cold. But somehow the meteorologist hadn't talked to God. Because he had something else in store. And we experienced what we now refer to as the storm of the century in 1993. We had 46 inches of snow in Atlanta, Georgia. We had the first, the absolute first situation that I'd ever experienced where we had a total whiteout. I literally couldn't see my hand in front of my face. The snow came down so heavy that it absolutely covered Atlanta and shut us down. No vehicles were moving anywhere. You could walk outside and you couldn't even hear a siren. Wow. Imagine that happening in Selma. And I remember how cold it was. That frigid, freezing, dead cold that just laid on us at the end of that blizzard that had hit Atlanta the first in 160 years. But also remember this, I remember getting back in the house and shutting the door. My daughter Alexandra was six and a half weeks old. I had two teenagers, my niece and nephew, that I was their foster parent. And I had my daughter, Lauren, who was scared to death, for she had never seen that much snow. And I had my mother my mother, in the throes of Alzheimer's, laughing. She said, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. And I thank God for this one thing. I said, I'm together with my family. We're all here. I don't need to call anyone. I don't need to worry. God, you've taken care of us. We're all here. And we were there for eight and a half days without electricity. It was nice. I was happy. But God gave me a piece about something that was so special. As I walked up to the church after the blizzard, and I got out a box of the oldest 
stalest candles I'd ever found that the church had not used in 30 years. I brought them to the house, and I illuminated that 100-year-old building. And as we sat there, I can remember looking at my mother and saying this. I said, Mama, what does this remind you of? I was asking a woman that couldn't remember what she had for breakfast. What does this remind you of? And she drew this from her memory, and I'll never forget it. She said, this reminds me of the week after Papa died. And I was a little girl, and she said, all we had were candles in the cold house. And we all got around the candle. And she said, my mother said this. She said, hold your, co- uh, your coats tight, button them up, because we have no heat. But look at the candle and understand we can see each other. And she said, if you close your eyes, Janice, and that was my mother's name, she said, you can see Jesus from here. And you can find Him. Now where that came from in her mind, I do not know. But it gave me a peace in my heart that hope was still there. The magnificent city of the South, the gleaming city that, that arose from the ashes of the Civil War, the city that was the pinnacle of success of engineering. That time we had the tallest hotel in the world in Atlanta, Georgia. That city was shut down by nothing more than snow. And I knew that my only hope didn't rest in that city. It rested in Jesus Christ. Dear people, I don't know what's ahead of us. have no idea. I'm not a prognosticator or a predictor. I'm not a prophet. I'm not a seer. I've never been an oracle. But I do know this. God loves us. And His hope rests within us. And if we embrace Him and never let go, if we allow Him to come through our system and touch the lives of others, we will have eternity to be thankful for that. And we will celebrate it forever. May you be touched even today by that blessed hope. Let us pray. Father, I thank You that we are changed by that hope. That this is what Isaiah was saying to those who were living in a foreign land, who had been taken hostage for generations. He gave them a sight that was beyond the gloom and the sadness of the moment to see a hope that was coming to them. And just as surely as our Heavenly Father led the nation out of their bondage in Babylon, He will lead us out of our bondage in this world and bring us safely to the world to come that will change us forever. And upon that, we are focused with hope and faith. Father, I pray that you would speak to someone this morning who has not found that blessed hope in their heart. They've not come to that relationship of knowing they have sins forgiven. When they pray, they realize that they have not initiated that relationship of forgiveness and restoration. And that needs to happen. 
Father, speak to them today through your Holy Spirit. Give them a peace in their heart knowing that forgiveness is available. And give them the blessing of forgiveness in this season of celebration. Father, whatever the decision may be that's on the hearts of those who are here, I pray that your Spirit would speak. And they would say yes. And may we begin this first Sunday of Advent with a sense of expectation that truly our lives would be changed and we would change the lives of those round about us by our faith and our trust in you. Father, we know you love us and I ask now that someone would open their heart and allow you in to change them forevermore. For we pray this in your holy name, Lord. Amen.